Hello and welcome to the Paradox Podcast. We are actually coming to you live from my front porch. So if you hear some traffic, birds, or various other lawn equipment, that's what's going on in the background. And I also said the word we because we have Jeremy Kim as our podcast producer. And I am also here with Jasmine Bilbao. Hello, Jasmine. Ooh, hello. Yes, we're so excited to get this started again. Well, we wanted to start this podcast back up in order to keep the conversation going that is started in the sermon on Saturday. And what better time to start than with a new series? We just started our series, The Era of Queens, which focuses on the story of three of David's wives. And we have paired each of those stories with a soundtrack from Taylor Swift. As you can imagine, we've gotten a few questions about this and where this came from and where it's going and what, why we made what decisions we made. And so Jasmine has made a list of 10 questions that are the most common questions we received in response to this series. And we're gonna discuss those questions here on the podcast to keep this conversation going. So Jasmine, take yeah, us away. Yeah, so some of these questions were brought to us before um, the sermon and then some were after we had already presented the service. So we'll just jump right into it. So the first question is, why are we doing Taylor Swift and the Wives of King David? Well, you can barely breathe without hearing about Taylor Swift, so I feel like <laughs> now's the right time. Um, <laughs> we actually talked about this a long time ago, as in yeah. about a year ago. And the original idea that Jasmine and I came up with was to do a seven-part Taylor Swift series for the series in Lent for all seven weeks. We were gonna yeah. say for Lent, we were giving up religious music <laughs> and then do seven different albums uh, to talk about these seven different stories of Jesus. Yeah, this was like peak her heiress tour. So it was- I think it was even before then. You, like, oh yeah, yeah. It was yeah. when it was announced. Yeah, it was when it was announced and I was just really into Taylor Swift then. And I was like, this would be great. Yeah, and when you say into Taylor Swift then, that sounds like you've given up this <laughs> fandom. I don't think that's the case. Is that right? Uh, no, I'm still very much into Taylor Swift. So, that's great. That's know. great, which plays a big part in this. So we yeah. started sharing that idea with other people of Paradox, and we got one common response, both from Swifties and anti-Swifties alike, which was, that's a lot of Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, it was. Seven weeks is a long time. So we shelved that idea, um, but I remember one of the main ideas that I had was, okay, we're going to pair Coney Island, which is this idea of where'd my baby go with the story of Jesus's resurrection mm. in a story where Jesus is all of a sudden gone and people are trying to wonder where it, where it, where it goes and where it comes from with that. Yeah. Um, so that being said, it's tough when you call Jesus my baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's tough to justify that. So I wasn't really sure where to go from it, but we, we shelved it and we stuck with some of the ideas, just minus this Taylor Swift soundtrack. We more put it on the back burner. Yeah. We definitely wanted to do it in the future, just needed to flesh out those ideas. Yes. And then you went to see Taylor Swift in Nashville. I did. I did. Yep. And it was um, the highlight of your life or the second biggest um, highlight of your yeah, life? Yeah, I would say <laughs> definitely the top thing that's ever happened to me. So, you know, definitely an experience that I wanted to share to everyone. <laughs> and uh, you were not alone in that. I was talking about Taylor Swift to everybody. I, I mean, just about everybody I talked to, people who had been to her tour, people who had missed her tour, people who didn't like her tour. It was a conversation I was constantly having. 
Mm-hmm. And since we had such success with Olivia Rodrigo last year, we were just like, it's time. We've got to do this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that brings back to the point of um, we did Olivia Rodrigo last year and several albums before then. So we kind of felt like it's a tradition that we want to carry on. And a lot of people really do enjoy a kind of break from normal church um, atmosphere. Yeah, and these are the songs that people listen to every day, not just once a week when they show up to church. Yeah. And so the question became, what is it that we should do? And I started listening more and more to Taylor Swift's albums to try to figure out how this could be a sermon series at Paradox. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, why don't we pair three of her albums with three kind of unsung heroes, unsung female heroes in scripture. And so originally it was going to be Ruth and Queen Bathsheba and someone else. And I I can't quite remember who. Oh, Naomi. Yes. And then it made more sense to keep it kind of contained to one story, which is the Mm -hmm. wives of King David. And I started thinking about their stories from their perspective. I started bouncing ideas off Jasmine. Jasmine got more and more excited about it. And really, once we came back to that song, Coney Island, yeah. Where'd my baby go? I was like, oh, that's when David leaves Michal mm-hmm. for 15 years and doesn't say anything. Like, that was the main song that really fit in the category. I was like, I think we could do it this way. Yeah. Um, so that's where it came from. That's kind of how the process unfolded. It was over a year yeah. before it went from our initial thoughts to yeah. actually being brought to Paradox Church Services. Yeah. Well, and then that kind of goes into the next question, question number two is why evermore specifically that album and i i think um you talked a little bit about coney island and that song and we kind of wanted to keep it contained to one album to embody each different queen um and i think when you listen to coney island if you if you want to talk about that yeah, that Coney Island is is a song that feels like you've lost something, mm-hmm. and that's really what Michelle Michelle has gone through. Um, I think too. I don't know when I heard "Tolerate It" in connection with that story. I'm pretty sure you suggested it when yeah. I said something along the lines of, "I need a song about <laughs> Michelle being a footnote in David's life," and you, without hesitation, said, "Tolerate It." Yeah. And as soon as we hit that song in there, it's like, well, this will be Evermore. Yeah. The album Evermore. Yeah. And I just have a strong passion that it's so much more fun when you pair it with an album Mm -hmm. rather than just say, we're going to pick Taylor Swift songs from her entire catalog. Yeah. It feels overwhelming and less, I don't know, just less exciting for whatever reason to me. Yeah. And I think with doing one album, it felt very intentional. And it's weird that those were the two specific songs that we really looked at. Um, But then a lot of the comments that we got were that the songs aligned really well. And I think it just like fell into place with the story of Michelle. And so it's just interesting how that all happened. Well, and that's a question I got uh, quite a bit was how did you get these songs to line up so well? Um, I think the first thing that we had to do was we had to share with people, hey, feel these songs more than analyze them. So when she's singing about her Eagles t-shirt or Eagles sweatshirt, whatever that line is, (laughs) (laughs) um, don't think like, was Michal a fan of the Eagles? That's not going to work. But if you feel the tone, you're you're willing to give a lot more to the space of the song Mm -hmm. um, and how it relates to Michal's story. 
The second part of that is I have the privilege and honor of working with a Taylor Swift encyclopedia <laughs> whose name is Jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was just, it was so, you, you made my job so much easier with pairing the songs because mm -hmm. I could say, I need a song that fits this part of the story. And you having just this wealth of knowledge of what these songs represent and having thought about these songs so much, we're able to pair those songs so effortlessly, which was a huge help to us bringing this forward. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I like tolerate it was so fresh in my mind because that performance live of hers was so earth shattering, I guess one would say. Um, and so that when you were talking about the story of Michelle, I was thinking that's like exactly how she was feeling. Um, and it, it just felt so perfect for the story. Yeah, I remember too. I listened. I, I, the, the first album of Taylor Swift that I really listened to a lot was Folklore. And then Evermore was released so close to it that I really skipped over it just because it was just too much Taylor Swift in my life at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back and listening to Evermore, I was surprised. Like when we did the, the sermon with the song Marjorie, which you told mm -hmm. me was about her grandmother. Yeah. Um, I, that's one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs ever. And I think it's really clever and really well written. Uh, mm -hmm. and that was really helpful for our Easter series because that, that captured that idea. Yeah. Uh, but now going back and pairing this story with those songs, I've really appreciated the album more, mm -hmm. um, because I always skipped over tolerate it. And yeah. now it's one of my favorite songs that I've come across because yeah. it's so vivid to me, particularly in this regards to this story that we painted here with David. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And so we kind of answered question number three, which was um, how did each song like align so well? And uh, the next question, number four, is what is the biggest goal of having this sermons and albums liturgy format? So we've done several chapters before this. We talked about Olivia Rodrigo already. Uh, we did Beyonce mm -hmm. and Lemonade when we talked about Song of Solomon. We, before that, we did Sufjan Stevens' album Carrie and Lowell with the letter to the Colossians. And then we did Coldplay's Ghost Stories when we did a, a teaching on um, Jesus' teaching on divorce in mm -hmm. Mark 10. The biggest goal for that is I think that when we read Scripture, we often forget the humanity of yeah. the people we're reading about. And so we assume they know how the story is going to turn out as they're going through this because mm -hmm. we know how the story is going to turn out, particularly if, the, if you grew up in the church, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you're able to pair these ancient stories with songs that were written relatively yesterday, mm -hmm. it brings a fresh perspective to it. And you all of a sudden start to get a lot more toward the human experience that is so well portrayed in scripture. Yeah. So if somebody were to ask me, what's the goal of doing this? I would say it's to make scripture more human. Mm -hmm. It's so that you think of Mashal as a real human being who was affected by David's bad behavior, yeah. not just a footnote in David's story. Um, when I think about doing the one with Colossians uh, and Sufjan Stevens, that's an album about his mother's death and mm. his mother wasn't a great mother. So that's a very complex album because it's talking about grieving somebody who wasn't there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colossians is about death and how we respond in the face of death. And Paul doesn't have a lot of answers. And so 
we often think of Paul who's some, as someone who knows all about Jesus and understands Christianity better than anybody else. But he, being a human, was just trying to piece this together like most of us are today. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's so valuable to have that kind of perspective because it takes these biblical stories and, and older concepts and really brings them into the present day where it's really applicable to um, our lives now. What have you experienced, Jasmine, being on the side that was the observer of these sermons and albums versus now you've, you've been on the creative side of two of them with Olivia Rodrigo and mm-hmm. also um, this Taylor Swift series now. How have you noticed the difference or, or what has jumped out at you personally? Yeah, I think that when I first heard the concept of the sermons and albums in church, I was just shocked that someone was doing that um, because growing up I had been told that the music I like to listen to on a daily basis isn't meant for church and that should be separate like my personal life and my church life should be separate and um, anything in church is considered holy and those other songs that I'm listening to isn't holy and um, so I really appreciated having those kinds of albums in church because it's the music I listen to and so that gave them more value and then it brought to life these characters that I these characters or these stories that I might have never like known a lot about and it gave them a new perspective and new ideas that I never thought about um, because I was thinking of it through the lens of these songs like especially uh, with Olivia Rodrigo's deconstruction as I was sitting through because um, we talked a little bit about it but I didn't really know exactly where you were going with the sermons um, the whole time but I just remember sitting there and being like wow like this is very applicable to me deconstructing me deconstructing my own religious journey and you know she's talking about heartbreak Yeah, and so I, I just think that there's so many uh, parallels to different situations in life that when you look at it from a new perspective or through different lenses, then it could bring so much more. Mm, that's great. That's great. Yeah. What's the next question we received? So who is this amazing professional that, that took these album cover pictures? <laughs> Those were fun to recreate, but I had nothing to do with it. Do you want to tell us the story about that? <laughs> yeah. So um, the wonderful one and only Jordan Cattenhorn um, shot our cover pictures. Um, and this was probably the, uh, I mean, actually, the first two were easy. The last one had a little bit of hiccups. So Maddie is in the folklore cover, and she probably took that in under five minutes. I think it was three takes and it was good because um, that one's an easy one to recreate. And then I did the Evermore one, um, which we did the folklore and Evermore one in Prospect Park. So we made it very us and very Redlands, um, trying to capture the same vibe, but still wanting it to feel like home. And that one took a little bit longer finding the right frame, but um, ultimately... It's just my hair, so that's all that has to look good. Um, but the last one with Carla for Midnight's, that was 
the trickiest because um, we had a, a little, we had to find a Zippo lighter first. And then we realized that you have to fill them up with fuel yourself. Oh, my gosh. So we didn't have any. We need more smokers on staff at Paradox. That's what we learned. <laughs> but um, this is behind the scenes, truly. I don't, I don't think I told you this, actually. But we lit a match and put it inside the Zippo lighter to make it look like the flame was coming from wow. there. Wow, and we're just effects. we're just hoping nothing went wrong, and we just took the shots as quickly as we could. And when we found one that we thought that we liked, then we just kept it. This is a window into the creative process for us because we all assumed the easiest one to shoot would, of course, be the midnight yeah. cover. So that, of course, means that it was the hardest one. Yeah, <laughs> nothing right, is ever as it seems. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's the next question? So question number six is people say that changing the stories in the Bible makes them not sacred. How can we think about the perspective of Mishal while still keeping it holy? That's a great question, and I think I would have asked that question 15 years ago mm -hmm. and been pretty passionate about it, right? Uh, for me, I think we have to first start before we even talk about the Scripture itself that we need to acknowledge that there is always more to the lives of the people in the Bible than what's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So let's take King David, who I think it's pretty apparent I'm not a huge fan of. No matter what you think the Bible says about him, there's still more things that he did that are in Scripture than are not in Scripture, essentially. Yeah. And so this is also a very biblical idea because in John, like John writes that if we tried to capture everything Jesus did, it would take the biggest book that would fill the entire world mm -hmm. because there's so much more than what I've just recorded here. So once we admit that, we can then start to look at different people's stories and perspectives in scripture and say, well, they're real human beings who had lives outside of what happened between them and David. So mm -hmm. while Michelle gets like three different parts in her story in the books of first and second Samuel, Abigail only really gets one who we're talking about this week. Mm. And so is that really her whole life is just that piece? Well, yeah. no. So once you start to admit that, then you look at things from their perspective and you can start to make some guesses about how they reacted and how they responded to the stories that we read about in scripture. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that this is a very sacred and holy process to imagine their lives that are bigger than scripture because it's the journey of empathy, mm -hmm. which is something that I believe that Jesus uh, blesses as a holy endeavor. So I think it's worthwhile. This is all influenced heavily by a theologian from Texas. Her name's Wilda Gaffney. She talks about how if you want the Bible to be more progressive, look at the women and children in the stories, and you'll usually find the progression you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And then she also says, um, there's nothing wrong with like making up details as long as you're upfront about it, right? Yeah. And the phrase that she uses is, she says, in my sanctified imagination, and then she'll go on to mm -hmm. add an artistic liberty, essentially. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's so important after the story is done that I have that debrief where I say, let me tell you about all the artistic liberties I took, mm -hmm. because I don't think there's anything wrong doing it as long as I say to you, this part isn't in the Bible. I imagined it, but it was an, it was an imagined event or scenario from the story and the humanity I read there. Yeah, and... And um, I think that those artistic liberties that you did take 
weren't even that far off from the actual story. Um, you just made them more literal in the sense of, you know, it's saying several years and then we gave it a t an actual time frame, um, which I think that just makes it more real when we have specific details like that. Uh, but now I can go back and look at those stories and think about it from Michelle's point of view. And I like what you said. Um, it's very obvious. Like, yes, uh, the text isn't changing, but when you read it with a different mindset, you could see different things. Mm -hmm. Well, and I had to take the least amount of liberties of these three women's stories mm -hmm. with Michelle's story. And we're doing them in chronological order mm -hmm. or, or in biblical order, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, and, and I have to take more liberties in the next two. Um, we were just fortunate that Michelle's, you have to take the least liberties because it is a story that I think would cause anybody to think the moment you just consider it from Michelle's perspective. Yeah. So I don't think you've talked about this already, but um, how, how little or how much is spoken about these women in the Bible? Yeah. So Michelle, she's in First uh, Samuel 18 and 19. And then she's mentioned as an aside in 1 Samuel 25 when it just says that Saul married her off to Paltiel. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back into the story in 2 Samuel 3, which is when David bargains for her as part of a peace treaty with her brother Ishbosheth. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back again in 2 Samuel 6 when she confronts him about dancing um, with just an ephod on mm -hmm. uh, in front of several women that Michelle doesn't appreciate. So that's the totality of her um, story in scripture. Now, there's a couple other places she's named as the mother of such and such. Mm -hmm. um, those, she'll show up in those references, but those are where her stories are. So 1 Samuel 18, 19, 25, uh, and 2 Samuel 3 and 6. Wow. Yeah, that's not a lot. No. No, and she doesn't get much from David, mm -hmm. but her story is there and her story is told over time, which is what I, I genuinely love her story. You just have to be willing to find it and, and piece those things together. So her story stands by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is also, it brings another point of importance of why we're doing this. Um, because when you get these fragments throughout the whole Bible, it's hard to imagine them as a whole story. Yeah. So I like that we went through the whole thing uh, from her point of view, from her being the main character, and it's like we're only talking about her. Well, and I've told Michelle's story at Paradox two times previous to this, mm -hmm. I think. And both times I told the story in a way that her part occurs, and then I tell David's story, and then we come back to her. Mm. This was the first time I'd ever told her story with, like, all those gaps that David leaves in her story. Yeah, yeah. And I will tell you, just reading it that way, as someone who's been in religious you know, circles for a long time and has studied this for a while, mm -hmm. was a really helpful and, I would say, meaningful experience because it shows you how much her unknowing in the story contributed to her actions. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, question number seven. I can't help but feel sad for Michelle, especially after those interpretive songs. How do I feel hopeful about her story? Yeah, this story is a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bummer, but it's not entirely. Yeah. Um, you know, Romeo and Juliet is a is a tragic story, right? Mm -hmm. They both die at the end. They both die thinking they're dying for each other. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing, right. 
And yet, is it a is it a story that we'd say like, oh, I just feel so bad about? Maybe, but it's a mm-hmm. great story. Yeah. Um, I I think that it's us adjusting to religious stories that don't always end with happiness and mm-hmm. resolution, right? Yeah. And whenever you think of Christian movies or Christian songs, you're allowed to have doubt as long as it works out in the end, mm. or you're allowed to have um, pain as long as God blesses you later, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this is why we all hate Christian movies is because they're so predictable. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, as soon as the guy starts praying, his football team starts winning. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I tell you all that because, because we have to be more comfortable with stories where God doesn't answer prayers. Yeah. Because that's the case for lots of us. Yeah. And once we get more comfortable with that, we'll become more comfortable with it in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that, Michelle's story is just as holy as a story that works out like Ruth's. Mm-hmm. I don't see any difference between those two and they're both worth telling and they're both worth being honest about and they're both equally inspiring to me. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I think that her story not ending in a quote unquote like happy ending actually makes it more human mm. and more relatable because everyone wants a happy ending. But ultimately, that's not what happens majority of the time. So I think it is hopeful in the fact that she's just like me, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I go back to what I said in the sermon, which is David doesn't get to determine whether or not her life was a tragedy. Yeah. She had an inspiring life. There were things that happened in her world that were great triumphs. Mm-hmm. And so it's worth celebrating and in the same way that, you know, here at Paradox, we're trying to teach Jesus Christ and all. I think that you can see God in all of this story and wrap your arms around the whole thing and say this, this entire story is holy. Yeah. Yeah. That actually goes into the next question. Number eight is I'm struggling to figure out which version of the narrative I should lean more towards. How can I find value in both perspectives? Well, the good news is you don't have to choose between them. Mm you can allow both of them to exist, right? Mm -hmm. And the more valuable experience is being able to shift your perspective from one character to another Mm -hmm. with greater and greater ease, right? Yeah. So for instance, let's consider this story from Saul's perspective next time. Saul, Mm -hmm. who is Michal's father. that would change and give you a whole new range of empathy, mm. right? And Saul did some, made some bad decisions in this story, but at the same time, like I think it's valuable to be able to shift to that perspective. I think the more that we get comfortable with bringing all of these characters to life with all of their faults, weaknesses, strengths, and triumphs, mm-hmm. the better off we're going to be as Christians in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Number nine, what was the biggest challenge writing the stories and then for me learning the songs um, and what helped you overcome that? We can do the first part first. So the what was the biggest challenge writing the stories? Uh, the biggest challenge for me was doing my best to not. Actually, let me think about this for a second. Give me one second. <laughs> I can start with me. I've got it. Okay. okay. So the biggest challenge for me was actually telling the story 
Um, mm. It's very different than preaching, I found out. Mm -hmm. I felt like I stumbled over my words on Saturday more than I thought I would. Yeah. <laughs> because telling a story versus preaching is just different enough that it requires um, it requires a little bit more preparation. So I'm putting more time in for preparation this mm -hmm. coming uh, this coming Saturday. That being said, uh, this was not that hard to write mm -hmm. because the story is so compelling. I actually think First and Second Samuel are the easiest books to read in all the Bible because mm -hmm. the story is so interesting. Like it's basically Game of Thrones <laughs> in the oh. Bible. Uh, David is just as bad as most of those kings on that on that show, mm. and uh, it's anything but boring. So that wasn't that hard for me. Um, having Jasmine on staff made it so pairing the songs was easy, mm -hmm. and then uh, it was just telling the story that I found challenging. Yeah. But what about you for the songs? What What did you find difficult? Well. I actually want to comment on something you said okay. first, but um, it's just funny that you said it's kind of like Game of Thrones because I recently just finished that. Oh, so, there you go. So now I will definitely think about that story from a di different perspective. Um, but yeah, so uh, the hardest thing for me, I think, learning the songs, which I I know the songs, you know, sing along to them in the car, but it's a different experience performing them. And um, essentially memorizing the whole sequence and also how all the instruments sound. Um, and this is definitely not her. Or it's more of her, uh, like she wrote this album in COVID. So she had a lot of time to um, instrumentally uh, test out some new things. So it's very different than any other album. I would say it's not your traditional chord progression or time signature uh, there's a lot of words and I was scared that I would like stumble along the words as well um, even though I know that album really well um, but something that helped me was just like feeling how Michelle felt and I think that that was shown well enough on Saturday um, and just like embodying her feelings and applying it to my life that really made me get lost in the music and just mm. let it um let my brain just go on default and just do what i know yeah. um there is a song well it's tolerated of course um it's actually in 10 8 time which for anyone that's a musician you're like well that doesn't make any sense it's just five four no, it's not. It's in 10 8. So that was definitely challenging um, because, you know, you don't, ha I don't have anyone to sing along to. The musicians don't have anyone to, to follow. It's like the musicians are on their own and I'm on their, I'm on my own. And we kind of just hope that it locks in, which thankfully it did. Um, but yeah, it was more challenging than I thought it would be to sing those songs. Um, but I'm just so grateful to Jeremy being here and, um, with the ability to practice that and our musicians for just like having this standard of excellence where they just come prepared. So mm. it was very easy to, um, bring down my nerves and yeah, I just felt Michelle. <laughs> this, these album sermons are like the only time I really wish we did multiple services. Yeah. Because I would love 
I love experiencing it as somebody who's putting it on. Mm-hmm. And I just wish that we got another shot at it because it's just so much fun to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know that a lot of a lot of the musicians are hearing the story of Mashal for the first time. Like mm-hmm. you and I worked on it together, but they were like, oh, this is how this fits together after yeah. wondering why we're playing Taylor Swift. Yeah. So that's the one time I wish we had multiple services is, is mm-hmm. when we do the albums and sermons ser- services because I just enjoy doing them so much. Yeah. And uh, I told you this right after. Um, I just wanted to hear more. I just wanted to hear like more information about her and your opinion about the stories. I just felt like it's something that I'd never seen before. And... um. I was just more curious because like King David's story is something that I've heard a lot growing up. And aside from you, I don't think I've heard anyone else talk about her or that I remember. So, well, the credit needs to go to my Hebrew Bible professor at La Sierra, Mm -hmm. Waniel Kim, who he was the first person who during our introduction to the Hebrew Bible class, he said, I hate David, but I really identify with Saul. Mm. And I remember sitting there for the first time thinking, can, can we say that? Can we <laughs> say that out loud? Like yeah. I had no idea before that. And then he started laying out the case where it's like, remember David committed murder? And I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. he did commit murder. <laughs> um, but he just started doing this with the story. And it was largely based on the treatment of women mm. that, uh, he said, I just, it's really hard when people say they love King David because I just don't see it. Yeah. And I wouldn't say I was like a convert overnight to that perspective, but mm-hmm. the more I dive into these, uh, these chapters and these verses that talk about King David, the more it gets harder to ignore just how over the top he is with his cruelty toward women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that that since they're such popular stories, it's so easy to overlook things like yes, that, it is. which is why I love intentionally going back on these stories that we've heard so many times and just like trying to find something new because there's always something new that you can look at. Um, and I think this is the biggest reason why we've kind of done this was like the inspiration from Lent, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so in Lent, we retold all of these stories of Jesus from a completely different perspective. And I think with that mind shift, you just gain so much more knowledge of details you'd never remember or like think that are important at all, but they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question I have written down is what can we expect for the rest of this series? I think you saw a good display of it this last week. I think that you will hear the story of Abigail Mm -hmm. and the story of Bathsheba in brand new ways. Um, Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to read them ahead of time because I think you'll even appreciate it more. Um, uh, Abigail's story is just in one chapter, so that makes it a little bit easier. Bathsheba is over multiple chapters, much like Michal's. Mm-hmm. But it's worth reading ahead of time because if you start thinking about, okay, what's her story like before you come to the service, I think you'll appreciate it that much more. Um, I also am very excited that we have three different lead singers for each of the albums. Mm-hmm. I think that it gives each kind of story and presentation its own unique 
voice quite literally. Yeah. So it feels if it, it hits different. Mm-hmm. Um, I was telling you, uh, when when you saying tolerate it, I just felt it like right in the middle of that story and mm-hmm. and all that, and I just hope that these stories continue to provide emotional depth. I, I'm very excited about the songs we've selected for the next two, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you'll just find that you'll walk away with a greater appreciation for the humanity of these women that are often considered to be side characters in David's story. Yeah, and I think that. It's going to be great, and I'm, I'm so excited to see how the rest of the weeks play out. Um, and especially with these songs that I've initially related to, and now they're painted through the eyes of these women in the Bible. I just feel like it's, it's so cool to see that um, I'm not alone in my experience, mm. not just with Taylor Swift, but with the queens yeah. of David. Yeah, and that's what we're hoping is that everyone who attends finds a sense of belonging, a Mm -hmm. spiritual home, a community that they can be part of. Because while it's easy to point to the people on stage and say, well, isn't it fun they're talking about the queens? It's a whole community participating in the discussion about these three women who I think are women worth talking about in this story. And so we hope that that's what people experience. So with that in mind, I just want to say thank you to Jasmine. Thank you to Jeremy, who's been our tech. Jeremy, you also did a great job with the music and the instrumentation. It would not have been possible without you, so thank you. And uh, we just hope you join us next week for Abigail and Folklore. Yep.